Hi, and welcome to Prevent This, a podcast of your choice, where we cover everything substance abuse related from prevention to treatment to recovery and everything in between. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of a doctor or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding mental health, addiction, or substance abuse. Thank you for joining us today on Prevent This, and today we will be talking about the ABCs of THC. So marijuana has evolved from 5% THC joints in the 1960s to today's concentrates that can approach up to 99% THC. This presentation will cover the evolution of marijuana and give you an understanding of marijuana products that are consumed by adolescents in the Midwest. By attending this presentation, participants will get up to speed on the latest marijuana products and trends. Today we are joined by our presenter, Nick Place, who is a police officer and DRE instructor. Nick has spent the last 19 years in law enforcement in northeastern Wisconsin. He has been a drug recognition expert, DRE, since 2004. He has multiple instructor certifications. He is a regional coordinator for the Wisconsin DRE program. He has testified in an expert in paired driving cases, mentored and trained new instructors, and he has won statewide awards such as the Top 10 DRE and Outstanding Performance as a DRE. He has worked a variety of assignments throughout his career, ranging from routine patrol drug investigations to interdiction, SWAT, and canine handler. He started Route 961 training and consultants to deliver drug training to law enforcement and the public. Please join me in welcoming Nick. All right. So there's some of my information here. And to start out um, with the cannabis trends, especially here in the last six months, I'm going to generalize. We're going to talk about things in Wisconsin, but it's my understanding from talking and following things on social media with the drug recognition, uh, drug recognition expert pages that are out there, things like Delta ATHC are blowing up across the country. So we are going to start out by talking about that, along with some other cannabis trends that I have seen with youth in Wisconsin. So that's kind of the lineup that we're going to focus on today. I know there are a lot of questions about Delta ATHC uh, because of how popular it, it has become, and it's essentially become a workaround to some of the marijuana laws that we have in this state and in other states. So um, a little bit about me. Um, I've been in law enforcement since 2001. That A picture that on the right side, that is of me when I was much younger. No, just kidding. Uh, this is what happens when you leave your computer up and a fellow police officer takes and edits it. And then I liked it, so I kept it for presentation purposes. Um, I work for the Manitowoc, Wisconsin Police Department. That is my contact information there. I also have a training company that I started out, and I just started a podcast as well called Poking Around. So if you like things that I have here, I'm working on finalizing the Delta ATHC episode, but I'm just getting that started, too, as an additional resource because I'm a person that likes podcasts. But I've also worked a ton of assignments in my career. I'm currently a canine handler. Canine, being a police dog handler, is the best job in any police department, hands down. 
Um, get to go to work every day with your best friend. Plus, I've done drug assignments. I'm on the SWAT team, and I've handled every single type of police call there is, from dogs pooping on someone's lawn all the way to first-degree homicides. So quite a variety of things that I've been able to do throughout my career. Uh, Just a little bit of a disclaimer here. Um, Now, I'm not going to do anything, anything unethical or anything to tarnish my reputation or that of your choice, but just keep in mind that the opinions here are my own. They don't represent where I work. They don't represent the DRE program. Um, or any other government entities. So if there are some concerns, if you don't like something that was said, again, I'm not going to do anything unethical. And my wife told me my, my mom might be in uh, attendance today too. She, uh, she works at the local county health department with uh, combating COVID. So I'm going to be on my best behavior today in that regard too. But if there are any problems, please, that's what the comments sections are for. Um, leave those comments there. I do take those seriously to improve my presentations for future topics. So let's start out uh, again. We are going to dive into Delta ATHC since that one I know there are plenty of questions about. A lot of people have inquired about this, especially the legality of Delta 8. And then we'll go into some other, uh, the evolution of some of marijuana over the last 10 years and some things that I have learned along the way. So first, what is Delta ATHC? In a nutshell, it is one of many cannabinoids that is in the cannabis plant. Now, if we think of uh, a theater production, if cannabis if, if cannabis had its own Broadway show, uh, the star of the show obviously would be marijuana. Marijuana would take front and center, and then other cannabinoids like CBD would get a supporting role with that. And as far as the cannabis plant goes, Delta ATHC has a supporting role. It's kind of on the back of the stage. It's not found in any huge concentrations inside the cannabis plant. So it's, it's definitely not, uh, again, if this was a Broadway show, can, uh, Delta ATHC has a very, very small role as far as the concentration of Delta 8 that's found in the cannabis plant. But what people in the, in the hemp industry and in the cannabis in- industry have found is that they have found that Delta ATHC does have a psychotropic effect to it. Uh, that, as far as how much of a psychotropic effect from the research that I have done, um, I, I, th- I think it's the real deal. Um, it's advertised as a lighter version of marijuana, and I'll explain some of the dosing that I've done here in a moment with Delta ATHC products. But in my opinion, it's it's the real deal, and we're seeing more of it, and it's going to blow up even more because of the psychotropic that effect that it has, similar to marijuana. So what if you read publications like High Times and Leafly, they're going to tell you that it has a lighter psychotropic effect or a lighter intoxication than marijuana. Some of that research that they're basing that on isn't peer-reviewed. So when I dug into this more, I looked at, at what they cited in their articles, and I shared that with chemists. At uh, We have a phenomenal hygiene lab here in Wisconsin that tests our, um, our drug driving cases. And I shared that research with them, and they said, sorry, this isn't peer-reviewed. We can't rely on that. So in a nutshell, this is an emerging drug trend. Some of that data just isn't there yet to back it up. But as far as the intoxication goes, that does not mean that Delta-8 products don't cause impairment. Or if we find somebody under the influence of a suspected Delta-8 product, that doesn't mean that they don't exhibit cannabis impairment. So this is an emerging drug trend. We're still learning more about it. 
And again, with other drug trends that we've seen like 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, when we saw synthetic cannabis blow up, things like K2 and Spice and those products hit the scenes, there wasn't any valid research on on the impact that, that showed that these products caused impairment because we didn't study that. Okay, we're not going to dose people on things like K2 and Spice and see how that reacts um, because sometimes it's just too dangerous or we're not going to dose people on and have them do a hot rail of methamphetamine to see and study what the, what the effects are because it's just too dangerous to do that. But that doesn't mean that those drugs don't cause impairment. So um, those are the claims that are out there that it Delta-8 doesn't bind to what's called the CB1 receptor in the endocannabinoid system. The CB1 receptor, the the Delta-9 or marijuana binds to that fairly well, and that causes the impairment and the high that you get from marijuana. And the claims are Delta-8 doesn't bind to that CB1 receptor. It doesn't have an affinity for that receptor as well as Delta-9 does. Uh, but again, there still needs to be some um, research done on that. Um, to some more peer-reviewed research there, um, and it's not as well researched as marijuana. Though I've done um, uh, some dosing with this, um, not a whole lot. In fact, I stopped it uh, just based on some advice that I got from some chemists. But um, limited dosing where I bought Delta-8 products. I'll show you what I, I bought here in a moment. And then I sent those Delta-8 products off to a laboratory for testing. So I verified there was no Delta-9 in there, but the things I saw that people exhibited or the, the dose, the subjects exhibited was uh, consistent with cannabis impairment. So those of you who went to things like A-Ride or uh, DITEP classes for those of you not in law enforcement or DREs, things like red and watery eyes, dry mouth, I know that it, that's uh, a sign that should be on the DRE matrix. Uh, cannabis products usually do cause a dry mouth, so cotton mouth, that type of thing. Um, eyelid tremors, lack of convergence, and rebound dilation. So, um, again, I would like to see more done. I think there will you, you will see some more done with this. It's from my understanding, there's some things in the works, um, but you know these these products again it appears they do cause intoxication. Plus, then some of the anecdotal reports that uh, I've talked to people about is um, like one person I dosed said that her experience with taking marijuana edibles in California compared to the Delta-8 uh, gummy, it was if she had to take the Pepsi challenge, she couldn't tell the difference between the two. So um, again, it, it appears that you know this stuff here is the, is the real deal and will cause an impairment um, similar to marijuana. Um, and the big catch here is the legal gray area that it exists in, um, it appears that these products are likely legal and how these things are made, and I'll, I'll show you the language here in a moment, but Delta-8 products, again, because Delta-8 is not the star of the show here with the cannabis plant, it's not found in any large concentrations, what manufacturers have done is they have used isomerization. So what that is, is you take one molecule, you... Uh, so in this case, CBD from hemp, you take that, you throw it through some isomerization. There's some pretty good videos on YouTube. Um, I think one company called Extract Labs on YouTube put their whole process and how they convert CBD into Delta-8 THC using a series of chemistry steps, putting in things like different acids and bases and changing that CBD into Delta-8. So that's kind of how they do that workaround to the um, hemp laws that are, that are out there. They change it from CBD into Delta-8 through using isomerization. Um, the flip side of that argument, and I think you could make a pretty good case 
against that is, um, you know, is Delta ATHC in these products, are they a workaround to the current marijuana laws that we have on the books? So Delta-8 THC gets its name because it has a bond on the eighth carbon chain of tetrahydrocannabinol, and then Delta-9, which is the psychoactive cannabinoid in marijuana that gets you high, it has a double bond on the ninth carbon chain. So if you compare the two, and again, I'm not a chemist, but they are pretty similar in comparison. Um, and there, there's some other ones coming up too from things I follow on social media and other media outlets that are associated with cannabis publications is cannabis companies are also using this isomerization process to look at other potentially psychoactive cannabinoids like Delta-6, Delta-10, and then another one called THCV, which is supposed to be, again, I, I didn't dig into this claim. I'm just sharing the information that I gathered. The THCV, and I would try to pronounce it, but I would have a fight with the English language, but that one is supposed to be more um, potent than Delta-9 is. Uh, and it's just how the molecular structure of THC, THCV and how it, how it goes together. It's supposed to be more uh, psychoactive than, than marijuana. So those are, those are some up and coming ones there too. Um, and the, uh, the hemp industry here, the hemp expos and other events that I have attended, a common theme that, it, and this is before COVID struck and you couldn't have those events anymore. But one thing that they that they shared is that the hemp industry themselves, they are hurting right now. Um, it's a tough industry to get into. So they, they one of the my favorite shirts that I saw at one of the hemp expos was Hempin Ain't Easy, kind of playing off. I think it was Jay-Z or you know, somebody came up with a rap song with a similar theme, but Hempin Ain't Easy. So people that have this lifelong ambition to get into um, the hemp business are in for a rude awakening when they get into it and they find out that their hopes and dreams of aspirations of growing legal cannabis um, isn't as easy as it sounds, um, especially with the hemp industry. Um, it's just it's a tough business to get in. There's a lot of logistics and things that people didn't plan for. And um, so long story short, people are looking for this to take off. And if this gray area exists for Delta 8 products. I see um, the hemp industry gaining a lot of business from it, especially with the psychotropic nature of these products. And then another concern I'll share with you here, as far as age restrictions, the bottom bullet point here, um, I'll share with you this statute here. Now, I'm going to base some things off of Wisconsin because, one, I live and work here, uh, and two, I, th I think it's a pretty good experiment to watch how Delta 8 THC grows in our state because we don't have recreational or medicinal marijuana like other states do. However, uh, before I started this podcast here, I was chatting with Ashley. She said that she has received questions from um, police officers in other states. I think she said she got one from a, a sergeant in California and talking about how essentially Delta 8 products are a loop around in California, even with um, legalized marijuana there. Um, it's my opinion here, just watching how Wisconsin works, that because we don't have recreational and medicinal marijuana, though marijuana is, you know, next to alcohol, a very popular drug, that would explain why if people can't get the recreational or medicinal marijuana, why they would switch to something like or find something like Delta 8 that causes a similar type of intoxication and is sold or at least advertised as a legal product. So I think while we're in this legal gray area, 
um, this Pandora's box has been opened, and the longer that box is open, it's going to be harder to shut because I think these things are going to take off just like CBD did a couple years ago. And as these products gain popularity, it's going to be harder to close that box and shut it because it has grown and people like the high that they get from it. And there's going to be some pushback, not just from the cannabis industry, but from others who like the intoxication that they get from Delta A products. And times here have changed. Uh, the, at least if you look at some of the polls out there, most people uh, support marijuana legalization. But here, okay, going back, the statute for Wisconsin. And this is where the technicality comes in and where that legal gray area exists. So I copied and pasted this from our state statute books. So hemp, the definition of hemp is the cannabis sativa L plant, any part of that plant, including the seeds thereof, and all derivatives, extracts, cannabinoids, isomers, acids, salts, salts of isomers, growing or not with a delta-9 tetrahydronol uh, concentration of not more than 0.3%. So that's the sticking point. So I'll share with you, again, some products that I set off for testing that did not come back with any delta-9 concentration in them. So if you look to the letter of the law, with Delta-8 being an isomer of hemp, and on the right side of the screen here, I showed just the, the CBD isolate, and then, again, going through the isomerization process, changing that molecule, rearranging those atoms to go from CBD to Delta-8 is, is through that isomer process, uh, process and the isomers of, for hemp that it's, it's included with that statute there. Okay, so that's the one side of the argument, and that's where even people that I've spoken to in the Attorney General's office here in Wisconsin believe it's going to be, a, we could have a difficult time proving cases here in Wisconsin because of that isomer language for that hemp statute. Also here in Wisconsin, especially with CBD use, state statute 961.32 also covers uh, hemp use and CBD products. So we bring out, I bring those statutes up too to point out what the last point in my in the previous slide is in a state like Wisconsin, we don't have laws regarding underage possession and sales to adolescent people. So those laws don't exist in Wisconsin. In other states, I, I'd be interested in seeing how this plays out. But in other states that have marijuana laws. We'll use California and Colorado, especially, I know the Colorado one, because um, I've cited it in a, in a paper that I distributed, but Colorado, they have laws for underage marijuana possession and underage marijuana intoxication. And, you know, would Delta 8 fall into that as well? I think that's a good question to ask. But here in Wisconsin, we don't have any laws prohibiting um, uh, a 16-year-old from possessing hemp products, and that would include Delta 8 THC. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think anything can't be done. I think you potentially could classify Delta 8 THC as an analog or a, or a, a drug that's similar to marijuana. I think that that possibility is there if you wish to pursue it. And also, too, on the federal level, Delta 8 THC is listed under Schedule One of the Controlled Substance Act. So Delta-8 is included in there. However, um, the federal hemp laws also ex uh, include isomers of hemp. So that this argument that goes back to what you see on this on this slide here is um, you know is true there as well. Where Delta-8 THC through this isomerization process, you know, you can make an argument there too that um, that process is included under federal law. So there's still a lot to be worked out here. And again, as long um, as long as this uh, gray area continues, it's going to be harder to 
um, close that Pandora's box that has now been opened, especially in a state like Wisconsin where we don't have recreational or medicinal marijuana. So this is a, a vape cartridge that I bought at a vape store in Green Bay. Um, so I sent it off for testing. And again, not a surprise here. Um, one thing that I have found based on some, I, I know when I presented last July for your choice, I shared with you some of the things, some CBD products that I bought and sent off for testing. And what's on the label for the product does not match up to what's inside the product. That's a pretty, and it's not just from the very small things that I have tested. It's also, we've seen that too with other larger scale projects that have been done for CBD and cannabis testing where what's on the label doesn't match up to what's inside the product. So when I sent this one off for testing, I'll explain pouch result here in a moment. But so the, uh, whenever you see these cartridges here, if they're, once they're full or once the, the manufacturer fills it up, it should have approximately one gram of oil of concentrate inside that, inside that cartridge that you would see here. So when you see 850 milligrams, so one gram is 1,000 milligrams, so 850 milligrams, we should be at 85% delta-8 THC. When I sent this one off to testing, I'll share with you where I sent it off to testing at Accelerated Labs for that contact information here in a moment. But uh, Accelerated Labs said it came back at 91.2% delta-8 THC, no delta-9 THC was detected in this substance here. Um, then some other cannabinoids too that were present, CBD and CB, CBN in a very small concentration here. Uh, quite frankly, if I'm not surprised there was no Delta 9 that was reported in this. Again, watching some of the manufacturers and the videos that they put out on YouTube and watching how they do that isomerization process and changing it from CBD to Delta 8 THC, it's my understanding that that isomerization, if they do it correctly, there should be no Delta-9 in there because the molecule they're trying to create is Delta-8-THC. So I'm not surprised, um, not to say that, and again, just my disclaimer here, this is one sample, this is one batch. So the next vape that you buy um, from this company could be something different. Or if you buy from a different company, obviously, you could have some different results. So what I did here is not a re the result of a scientific study. It's just for informational purposes so I can share it with people to show just diff different investigative techniques that I have done that have worked. Um, when I say pouch result, if you see that there, um, it says positive. So police officers, what we do when we come across a controlled substance, we have narc pouches, and it's essentially chemistry in a little plastic pouch. You put a small amount of that, of whatever substance you're testing, whether it be marijuana, uh, methamphetamine, heroin, um, other drugs, cocaine. Um, you break some uh, glass ampules inside from left to right, and you notice the color change inside. So with the Ducanoi Levine pouch, or Ducanois, I think it, uh, it's French, so it should be Ducanois Levine pouch. You break those ampules from left to right. There's a procedure that you follow, but you should have a series of purple color changes. So for law enforcement watching this, when I tested that particular vape, I had a positive test result for THC. It's my understanding. Now, I've contacted the company that makes these pouches. It's my understanding that these pouches test all sorts of THC. So that it's not just Delta 9. It's looking for all tetrahydrocannabinol um, present in these products and that's why they recommend for CBD that you don't test it because um, using these pouches because CBD or THC 
is in limited amounts in the CBD product. And these, um, these pouches are pretty sensitive to tetrahydrocannabinol. So even a very small amount of THC present in CBD products will cause a positive test result with these pouches. So I had a positive test on with that. And also with the other, um, I'll share with you another pouch here in a second. Here's a video uh, that I took of that vape. Um, and I'll just share with you some observations that I have made with Delta 8 products in contrast to marijuana or even CBD and nicotine vapes. So if you watch this, one thing I noticed is most of your Delta 8 products are going to have a light amber color to them. So if you see here, you see that light amber color to this vape. Um, that's in contrast to most, not all, but most of the marijuana hash oil vapes that I have seen that have more of a richer amber color to them. One thing consistent here with the marijuana vapes, I'll have another video here in a moment to kind of uh, contrast the, the CBD and, and nicotine vapes here. But one thing that is consistent with THC vapes, and it holds true here with Delta-8, is that this substance inside is very viscous. So as you, as you see, as I turn that upside down, that bubble inside does not move very much. Um, if you hold it there for a minute, you'll see the bubble move, but that, that substance inside is very viscous. It does not move very freely. So another, if you come across these vapes, uh, that should be a, a telltale sign. Um, so I'll throw in there, the only way to truly know what's inside of that is to send it off for laboratory testing. But um, in a street application, this is a quick and dirty way to tell the difference between a THC vape and a nicotine vape. It's just by turning it upside down. Um, and here, I think the next slide. Um, so the one on the left is a CBD vape. Now notice that uh, here that solution is much more aqueous. So I turn the, the yellow one on the left upside down. Um, I mean, it moves in real time. Nicotine vapes do the same thing. So um, if you come across a vape on the street and it's really aqueous, um, either it has a really, really low level of THC in it, or it's more than likely it's probably something else. So this was a CBD vape that I tested. It came back at 29% CBD. So um, I don't know what else is in it, but uh, it's definitely not any tetrahydrocannabinol and it didn't come back positive for that. The one on the right, again, more of an amber colored one. This is a video that I took when I taught at DRE school a year and a half ago. So we were doing field certifications and training new drug recognition experts. And there was a gentleman that was brought in that had one of these on him. So a much more, a darker amber color consistency, but again, that viscous consistency there. Um, you turn that vape upside down and that, and that solution inside hardly moves. So again, just a quick and dirty way to tell the difference between the two, um, your nicotine vapes and, and things like that. That's going to be an aqueous type consistency versus the THC vapes where it's much more viscous. Here's the label here. Again, going back to the legal part of, of Delta ATC and where things are up in the air right now. So this, I, I took a, a snapshot here of the labeling that's on there. So it goes into the isomers of hemp, including all tetrahydrocannabinols other than Delta 9 THC. So this, again, this is what the cannabis industry is pushing, that this isomerization process with Delta 8 does not fall under uh, marijuana laws, especially in a state like Wisconsin. Okay. So, and then too, when I, when I purchased this at the, at the CBD store, uh, they give you this warning. They tell you to make sure you keep the package on you in case the police stop you, make sure you have your receipt on you. So they can prove that you have legal possession of this and you're not violating any marijuana laws that are out there. Um, 
here's the other one the the gummies that i purchased um the packaging said there was a hundred milligrams of delta eight in there there are 10 chews so roughly about 10 milligrams per chew and the delta nine concentration was below 0.3 percent the results using the duke and wild levine pouch came back positive so purple color change was present on that one and then 4.2 milligrams a gummy so well below that 10 milligram that was advertised on the package so once again the consistency here with what's on the labeling does not match up what's what's in the product but again the uh you know one person i dosed said that it gives that particular one here this delta 8 one puts her right to bed okay um and she exhibited cannabis impairment went right to bed with it um, because of uh, how sleepy and intoxicated it made her feel um, she would recommend half of that dose um, for recreational purposes. Some other things to keep on the on the radar here with Delta 8 THC. So uh, the one on the right, Delta 8 Diamond Sauce, that was a photo that I found on social media. There was a, a manufacturer that was advertising his up-and-coming product. Um, I haven't seen too many concentrates in my neck of the woods for Delta 8 THC, but that does not mean that there aren't some out there, especially on the internet. So these concentrates, so things that you're used to seeing with waxes and shatter and those types of things with um, marijuana, it's, it appears manufacturers are also meeting that same demand um, where customers want that concentrate. They're meeting that same demand here with Delta 8 THC products. And this is just one example of that. So you could use it for a dab purposes in a dab rig or a bait pen. And then the other up-and-comer one here is the Delta 8 THC flower. And there was a bit of a debate, and I did some checking into why there was such an uproar on social media with people who uh, push Delta 8 flower product. Okay, so the, the green leafy plant material that you would 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 see is consistent with marijuana there are manufacturers that are pushing an, a plant product that is um, that they advertise as delta 8 thc flower again use your preference some people want to smoke that the, the actual flower the green leafy substance so in that debate um, there were quite a few cannabis manufacturers that had issues with others who make delta 8 flower um, and the process and, and how they do it so there's two um, schools of thought with how to make Delta 8 flour. So what they start out with is they start out with the hemp flour. So a hemp flour, so the green leafy substance, whether it be a CBD or a CBG, CBN dominant type flour, that's what they start out with. And then they add Delta 8 to that. So they, what they do is they put it in a concentrated form or they take the Delta 8, they put it in a concentrated form. But it's my understanding with the manufacturing process, Delta 8 is pretty viscous when the manufacturer applies it so they need something to break it down they need uh, another solution to cut it with to make it more aqueous so they can spray or put it in a tumbler and mix that delta 8 solution with the plant material to spread it out so what some of the more reputable manufacturers are doing is they're using um, terpenes from the cannabis plant so uh, terpene solutions so terpenes are what give cannabis its odor and taste and many um, people too if you believe in the entourage effect for medicinal cannabis they like things like terpenes in that in their cannabis product because they believe in the entourage effect or all the cannabinoids all the terpenes everything works together to give you that medicinal effect and on top of that is it's 
at least perceived to be a much healthier alternative to some of the vape additives that other companies are putting in. So the issue with some of the vape additives with ingredients like pro propylene glycol is there are some publications out there, and I can share those with Ashley if anybody, or you can email me and I can share you. Um, one came from Portland State University where they found that vaping things like pro propylene glycol and some of these other additives that you see in vape compounds can lead to levels of formaldehyde and other carcinogens. So no bueno, that's not good. So there was some debate where you know, the, the more reputable vendors say you shouldn't be putting that vape, those vape additives into your tumbling process to make Delta 8 flour, that you should be focusing on terpenes and more natural components of the cannabis plant to break that Delta 8 THC product down to put onto your flour. And there's others that are just cutting corners and putting whatever they want in there to put in there without concern for the end user. So, um, you know, some of the backstory there with the flour that's out there. So um, I guess my advice, you know, buyer beware with that stuff, just like I know your choice and Ashley and Sandy have shared that with, with other speakers too about the concerns with vaping and the long-term long effects that come with that um, because a lot of these substances just aren't uh, researched yet to know what, what's going to happen to people long-term when they ingest things like propylene glycol. So this is just the information that I got um, for laboratory testing. I like using accelerated cannabis laboratories. They are phenomenal to work with. Um, they give a discounted rate for police officers. It's $50 to test, um, you know, these substances. So if you send in a Delta A product, it's 50 bucks. It's pretty reasonable test. Um, they're pretty good to work with. Uh, another option that you, I shared earlier back in July, as far as pouch testing, this is a CBD pouch, um, products with a low concentration of THC. So your CBD products, they should turn pink, uh, products with a higher concentration of THC will turn blue with these pouches. I tested the Delta 8 products too using this CBD pouch and it was a slower color change but it was a blue color change so it was a positive test for THC. So at this point the best recommendation I have out there for any police officers listening as far as finding out what the amount of Delta 9 or marijuana or Delta 8 that are in these products that people possess is to send it off for laboratory testing. That's really the best way that we have uh, until they come out with some more avenues to find out how much Delta 8 is in the uh, product. So I know I'm kind of go through, going through uh, this kind of quick here, so open up some questions. Um, I think somebody asked, but why convert CBD from hemp to Delta 8 THC? What's the reason for doing this? Um, again, it's my opinion, this is a, a workaround. So they're using the isomerization because isomers and hemp are covered under, under our state statute and many others. So if it's an isomer of hemp, they can convert that CBD into Delta 8 THC. There's also other publications. There's one on Google Docs that I shared with law enforcement. You could take CBD and you can turn it into Delta 9 THC too if you wanted to do that. So, but if the reason why they're using Delta 8 is one, they get the psychotropic effect with um, that, that people want with marijuana. And two, if it's an isomer and Delta 8, at least in Wisconsin, isn't listed as a controlled substance. So that's the other allure is you can make the argument because Delta 8 THC in Wisconsin isn't um, considered a restricted controlled substance or not part of the Schedule 1 statutes that it's that it's legal. So that's the argument. That's why people are doing that. That's the essentially, again, the workaround. Um, have you seen THC becoming a part of the hemp industry that focuses on fiber, oil, and seeds as an additional profit source? Um, this, the 
presentations I've attended for hemp um, that focus on the, the manufacturing aspects, so making hemp for um, construction materials, that kind of thing. Um, I haven't seen it so much. Uh, it's been my experience investigating this, that people that grow marijuana or their THC products are growing it for the psychotropic effect of those products to sell to the end user. The hemp manufacturers are, that are making construction materials, um, they're going down a different route. So people that make it for clothing or I've seen like cement blocks that are made from hemp, it's a different avenue that they're going down um, as opposed to those producers that are growing cannabis for the psychotropic effect. It's just kind of a different fork in the road, if you will. Um, or is it a standalone industry? Yeah, okay. So I kind of answered the same question there. So it's kind of different routes that you go. And one hemp grower that did a presentation, um, what he talked about is if, if somebody's new to the hemp game, so let's say I um, started a field of five acres, I'm going to grow five acres of hemp on a brand new field. But he would recommend is maybe for at least the first year or two, grow hemp just for those construction materials because you don't know what kind of heavy metals or pesticides or other type of harmful chemicals are in or is in that soil. So for the first year or two, growing a hemp variety for construction purposes is a good way for lack of a, a proper botanical term. It soaks up those bad chemicals that are in that hemp field so that when you want to grow maybe a CBD variety that's going to be sold for human consumption purposes, you soak up some of those toxins and metals and things like that that are in that field. And um, by the time you grow your CBD variety for human consumption, it helps to cut down on, on that and, and thus not pass it on to the end user. Um, I'm very interested in regarding info regarding propylene glycol. I will share the link. Again, Portland State University. That's how I found it. I just did some digging into that. Um, again, just follow the social media thread that um, – that was out there, did some digging, and I found that so they actually did Portland State did two studies. They did one in 2015, uh, then they, they caught some flack for that, and then they came back a couple years later, I think 2018, and they redid that. Um, the big issue was is the critics said that they didn't conduct that 2015 study under usual circumstances where people vape, that the temperatures were too low. So they went back and they redid it, and they found pretty much the same thing. All right, how long is that testing process? Um, they are pretty good over at um, Accelerated Cannabis Labs. Um, if you request the accelerated testing procedure, the, like what, what I did with CBD, I got the results by email in two days. So um, they're pretty good. I, again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not giving a recommendation, but um, the Wisconsin Crime Lab told me to follow up with them and, and use them, and that's what I did. And, and again, it's been a pretty good um, working relationship there. So um, moving on here to more of the marijuana stuff. And I know Ashley has some things here too. She wants to share with people. So I'm going to not try to steal her thunder because I know she's got some good stuff that she wants to show people here. But just, just remember here too, that, you know, I graduated high school in 1997 and the weed that, that was back then isn't the weed that's around now. Um, you know, old school joints. So if you were, you know, if you were fortunate to uh, attend the Woodstock festival back in the 1960s and God bless you if you did, the weed back then was, you know, 5% THC, not to the, you know, high times, I'm quoting them, but, you know, the average street content is 18%. Um, you know, it depends on, there's some people that doubt that you can, you know, there's some strain varieties that are advertised to be 30% THC, but some of these hemp, 
going to some of these hemp expos, what some growers have said, the higher concentration of THC or CBD that these plants advertise, um, then if you get a plant with, let's say, 25%, a hemp plant with 25% CBD, um, you have to start taking away other parts of the plant to just make it grow. So it's going to, you're not going to have the uh, parts of the plant that are available for photosynthesis and the lipids and fats and other things that make a plant a plant. So the more you add to that CBD percentage, the more you have to take from um, the part of the plant that will just help it survive and grow. So they, you know, there's some speculation or some um, doubt that, you know, some of these 30% THC or 30% CBD strains are actually true. And one guy said, if you can get your hemp strain to 30% CBD, I would really love to talk to you to see what you're doing because obviously I'm doing something wrong. But the concentration of today's marijuana is much is much higher than um, what it used to be back in the day. Um, you know, some of the, the Delta-8 varieties too are having, are advertised as sativa and indica. So I think I've might have touched on this back in July, but again, uh, indica strains are going to be in the couch. Okay, so uh, sativa strains are going to be an energy, energy type of strain. So we'll just use Ashley as, a, as an example. We'll pick on Ashley here for a moment, but Ashley wakes up in the, in the morning. She wants to go do an art project. She wants to go on a hike in the woods, and she'll wake up and she'll smoke a sativa strain because she wants that uplifting effect that, that'll help her get that connection to nature that she's seeking. But maybe later on at night, Ashley wants to just chill and relax. She wants to play video games and sit in her gaming chair. Um, she'll, so to get the effect that she'll want, she'll switch to an indica strain to get that couch lock or that um, sedative type strain um, to help her achieve that goal at night when she doesn't want to be as active and just wants to chill and relax and play video games or watch TV or whatever Ashley does at night. Um, so there's those different types of strains that are out there. And going back to Delta 8, there was some debate on social media. Um, some people were complaining that the sativa strains of Delta-8 have no psychoactive effect, but the indica strains do. Um, and uh, the long story short, it was how the manufacturing process went. And, and some people are just making a poor product versus others that are um, using a more robust procedure. So some of the, the um, uh, backstory on that. Uh, but there are indica and sativa strains, or at least strains that are advertised as sativa and indica in the Delta 8 THC world. Uh, you know, just some things that I've learned here, um, especially to like terpenes, terpene profile. Just keep in mind, uh, cannabis, different cannabis strains have different smells and aromas to them. So um, as a canine handler, I've had a couple different, I switch out my marijuana every year or so to train my dog with. And I mean, you could even tell, I mean, one strain that we used, the, the prior strain to what I have now, I mean, it, it was horrible. It was a horrible, it smelled like vomit. I mean, it was just, just horrible. Um, it was, and then when I went to California, I walked into a, a cannabis dispensary there called MedMen, and I actually found it was some elderberry cannabis strain, something like that. Um, just horrible smelling versus the more um, lemon or pine smelling common terpene uh, varieties that are out there. But there are different terpene uh, varieties that there that give marijuana and hemp the different smell. Um, and then trichomes. Trichomes are the sticky part of the plant where all the cannabinoids hang out. So when you're trying to make um, your 
CBD or uh, marijuana concentrates, you want to strip the trichomes off the plant and collect that. And from there, that's where the manufacturer will refine it, and especially with CBD. If you're trying to make Delta ATHC or, or some of these other concentrates, they'll refine it. And if you can get it to a 99.9% uh, purity, it becomes that these, these cannabinoids come more of a powdery type of consistency to them. And that's where some of the manufacturers then will take that that powdery type of CBD and then convert it using isomerization into Delta-8. We got some more questions here. Um, uh, okay, I think I answered those. Okay, good. Uh, here's just a slide um, that was shared about different concentrates that are out there with marijuana. Now, uh, so I talked about the crystalline. So again, when you refine these cannabinoids to like 99% purity, you're going to get this crystalline type structure to it. This is what it looks like. So this is the, again, for making Delta ATHC, this is what you start with here. This is what it looks like. And then again, they go through the isomerization process. The downside to crystalline, if you are an advocate or a connoisseur of marijuana, is when you get to 99%, you start to lose those terpenes or, or again, that those chemicals that give marijuana and hemp its odor. And a lot of people don't like that. Again, they want that entourage effect because they, they, they believe in the medicinal value of those terpenes, plus the overall uh, high that comes with some of those. Uh, there's people that believe the terpenes themselves create a uh, psychotropic effect with that. So um, there were some complaints about that. And you'll see if you go to, like I went to the High Times Cannabis Cup in Flint, Michigan, and the, you would see some of the, the tables. I'll show you a video of what one of them looked like, but what some of the dab, when they, people would dab, with their rigs, they would add the terpenes in a, in a like a medicine dropper into the crystalline to give that person um, that high that they're seeking that is absent without the terpenes. Now, dry sift and bubble hash. Uh, with the kids, you don't really see this as much. And quite honestly, I was a little disappointed when I went to the High Times Cannabis Cup because it, it appears that um, hash is not popular with younger people. Um, but they didn't really, there was like one table that was selling hash. It was all vapes and edibles. That was that's what was popular. Um, rosin press in my neck of the woods. That is popular. That is taking the marijuana flower, pressing it together, and extracting that that uh, amber colored substance that comes out of it that holds all the terpene or the trichomes in the plant. Um, okay, so here's an example. Here um, I'll just play this video. Uh, this was at the High Times Cannabis Cup. This is an example of using a dab rig. So you'll see the guy, uh, by, if you look at the guy on the right, his purple gloves, he's going to clean this out and then um, the nail out. And then he's going to put a little bit of that concentrate in there. So this is what this process looks like. So he's cleaning it out with a Q-tip. He's taking the dab out. And one thing that this guy has here is he has an electric nail, so he's keeping the temperature consistent on it. So he warms it up, and then the guy, uh, the guy on the left, is going to inhale through the through the glass bong. So yeah, so that's so this thing here, this black device here. Now some people are going to use a torch to light up this dab rig. Um, uh, so what he did is he has an electric, it's called a nail. He attaches it to that glass um, section here. 
and then heats it to whatever temperature that the user desires. Uh, it keeps it nice and consistent. Um, again, an evolution, just an example of an evolution in the cannabis industry here over the last 10 to 15 years is in the top left corner here, this attachment for uh, the green leafy substance, so, so like just plain old marijuana flower. Um, what they found was it, to, to do dabs, this type of, of attachment does not work very well for dabs. What's ha what happens is, is that uh, the dab or the wax leaks down in and clogs that attachment up. So what you saw is, is to get away from that, um, the story goes, at least what I read in High Times, um, there's probably some truth to it, but um, they switched from this glass bowl type of design to this design here that, that this gentleman was using with this glass bong. So this different attachment, um, you put your the, the wax on the bottom. Now, this guy here is going to almost blow himself up, but instead of it getting gunked up, into the tube as it goes into the glass bong. Now, this is what happens when you have too much butane in your um, in your wax or your dab. Um, you could start to get uh, an explosion. There's plenty of people out there on the internet who have blown themselves up by using this process. But um, instead of gunking up your your glass device on top, if you use this type of device here on the bottom right corner, it will help vaporize it and it's not going to clog the pipe up as much um, as using the traditional flower attachment does. So a little bit of an evolution there and that um, explains part but not all of why these, why dabbing help take off because people essentially built a better mousetrap with drug paraphernalia and to in ingest marijuana. Um, this guy here, see if we can get the sound, I might have to turn it up just a little bit. Right. So this yeah. this one here is a dab pen um, for concentrates. So it's not used for nicotine. It's uh, I think Virginia Commonwealth University. They've done a lot of studies on dab uh, on on vaping. So this type of device is only used for concentrates. And he goes through and explains how he uses it. But then the uh, actual vape pen goes into three different parts. It goes into the battery, okay. uh, which uh, then you plug that into, and then it has the um, actual thing that burns kind of the okay. uh, smoke and vapes it and gets it water-based. Okay. And then uh, this is what you smoke it through. Okay. And it, it's as simple as that. And so this is kind of like your, would be the nail? So yep. This part would, out, yep. And then this is what you uh, yeah. think your wax part with? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So a little a little story on this guy here. Uh, we had stopped him, and we spelled the odor of marijuana. He exhibited cannabis impairment, and um, my recommendation is don't give people like this a uh, um, a dare speech to, because they're probably not going to listen to you. So I um, I told him like, hey bud, listen, I know times are changing, and a lot of people are using cannabis for medicinal purposes, and he. 
he uh, um, said, hey, officer, I'd like to show you what I have in my car. And he pulled out that pen. It was the Dr. Dabber Ghost vape pen. Now, these vape pens, again, are only used for marijuana concentrates. So if you come across a device like that, and let's say you work in a school and a 16-year-old said he uses that for his nicotine devices, they are lying to you. So this is, again, Virginia Commonwealth University does a great job breaking down uh, vaping, and they have five ge generations of different vape device. They call this type of device a generation four device, but it's commonly known as a concentrate or, or wax pen. So again, he puts the wax into that and then smokes it. Um, and it's works similar to that glass bong you did before, but obviously it's a portable version of it, but it's not used for nicotine or uh, substances like that. Um, and then this picture on the right, this video on the right shows that rosin press. So again, the uh, what this I mean this is a commercial example of of the rosin press, but uh, in my neck of the woods anyway to make dabs this is a pretty popular method. So you don't need this commercial press. What you do need though is if you can steal your mom or your sister's hair straightener, you get some parchment paper or some wax paper. You put your marijuana bud inside of that. You use heat and pressure to extract that rosin that comes that that amber colored goo that. You see come out of there. That's a pretty popular method in my neck of the woods. And you take that amber-colored substance, you can put it in your wax pen or in your glass bong and then smoke it. And it's uh, a pretty good way to get high. Um, I know Ashley's going to talk about jewel devices and jewel pens or jewel pods and things to look out for. This was a common uh, thing that we also had in our neck of the woods. And this, these are some pictures that I stole off of High Times Magazine. Uh, the one thing here, too, and I'm sure Ashley will point this out, but if you look here, uh, top left corner, the jewel pod device here, what caught our attention, so we did a, we had to do a canine step at our local high school. Um, one of the canines alerted to a vehicle that was in the parking lot, and this kid had like 20 of these pods underneath, his, underneath the front seat of his truck. Uh, one thing that caught the officer's eye, and good for him for doing so, is he noticed that these black cartridges here, the plastic tab was manipulated, was cracked open. So there should be no reason why anybody would want to crack it open because once you get done with your jewel pod, you're just going to throw it out. You're not going to recycle it and use it again. You're just going to put a different pod onto your jewel device and keep going. But um, again, a, a discreet way to um, conceal your cannabis use. And this picture here on the right was of a a syringe that was sold at the High Times Cup where it's essentially a refill for your, your vape devices. So you could buy, this one here was $30. I think they had a sale going on at the High Times Cannabis Cup. You refill your pod. The downside is um, a lot of vape stores, I've asked questions about this, and they said, yeah, you could do this, but uh, your vape pod will probably be done maybe halfway through it because these these pods weren't made for a viscous THC consistency product. They were made for a very aqueous nicotine solution. So if you put your THC in there, it's probably going to gunk it up and it's not going to work very well over time. But again, if you're just trying to conceal your, your marijuana use, or now we see Delta A THC on the rise, this is one way you can go about and do it. Um, some more examples here of uh, marijuana cartridges. Again, if you come across the packaging on this one here is what stands out. Um, you see the guy there with the googly eyes, the red googly eyes, so the red watery eyes commonly associated with marijuana use, um, the cartoon characters that suggest uh, marijuana or a cannabis intoxication, and plus you see the labeling here too for the THC percentage. 
again, more examples of, of the different varieties that are out there. Again, cartoon characters in intoxicated states. I think we could all make the argument here that this, is, this isn't uh, marketed to old guys like myself. This is marketed more towards youth and adolescent, younger people um, with, the, with the cartoon characters that are on these, uh, on these packages here. Um, and another one that, again, that we come up in our um, area here too is putting, um, called firecrackers, and that is putting marijuana into uh, like a oilier type of food, so like a Nutella or peanut butter. So what, what some kids did is they took their home ec lesson to the next level. So what, what decarboxylating marijuana is, so when marijuana comes off the plant, it is in the tetrahydrocannabinol is an acid form. So you could, I mean, it's funny stuff on, on super troopers when the guy eats a bag of weed and then it starts to hear little voices in his ear. But in real life, if you eat a little bit of marijuana, it's not going to do, I mean, there is some Delta nine in there, but the tetrahydrocannabinol is an acid form. And in order to get it from acid form into Delta nine THC, you have to decarboxylate it. Okay. So if you're familiar with, um, with, uh, I like to, to, uh, I have a smoker. I like to smoke things like chicken and, and brisket and things like that. So if you can remember this slogan for deep carboxylating marijuana is you want to do it low and slow, just like you would if you were cooking a brisket in your smoker. So you want a low temperature at a slow speed. So, you know, 220 degrees Fahrenheit for an hour and a half. This isn't, this isn't a quick recipe. Um, you know, you're, you, you want to probably, if you're 16 years old, you're going to want to wait for mom and dad to be gone for some time because it's going to stink up the house, but decarboxylate marijuana. Then uh, if you, if you go through that process, then you can add it to an oilier food. And we found that kids were putting it on their sandwiches and on crackers. Um, so, um, just another thing here too. Um, I know Ashley has some examples of different products that are out there, but if you suspect, especially a kid who is hallucinating a lot and paranoid and showing um, very high levels of cannabis impairment, look in the food and see if they did this type of firecracker technique and added uh, decarboxylated marijuana to their food. And on a side note, what I learned at the High Times Cannabis Cup is that people that make marijuana edibles, decarboxylating mar marijuana is a, as much a, of an art as it is a science. So what many of them told me was they had to spend hours perfecting this technique. Um, so when you, let's say you start out with, um, you know, two ounces of, or an ounce or two ounces of marijuana, um, when you start out, you might only convert 70% of that, or let's, you know, 60% of that marijuana from the acid to the Delta nine form. And the real trick is converting as much of it as you can without burning it or ruining your plant material, because then it has that burnt taste that goes in with the, with the edible. And that's really, again, it's much of an art as it is science learning how to decarboxylate as much of the marijuana as you can without burning it or ruining your product um, there. Another thing with, especially in the commercial side of things here, just keep in mind when you look at a package here, like this marijuana edible, again, edibles are just taking off. Uh, more and more people are, uh, especially as marijuana becomes more mainstream and accepted, you're seeing people that maybe don't want to smoke or don't want to vape and especially they don't want to do dabs. They're going to experiment with marijuana edibles I took a, I listened to a presentation put on by NMS Labs out of Pennsylvania, and one thing that they shared was 
the there are people in the cannabis industry that expect it to grow by like four billion in the next couple of years because you have soccer moms or hockey moms. I think hockey's a cooler sport, but hockey moms out there that maybe don't want to smoke a joint or maybe don't want to vape and they don't want to do dabs, they'll experiment with marijuana edibles because again they don't want to do those or it's user preference. They don't want to try those other forms of marijuana. Um, so you know, a bag of chips here. 300 milligrams of THC, that's like smoking 10 joints. So, you know, I like to eat a bag of chips just like anyone else, um, but kind of keep that perspective together. If you eat all the chips in that bag, again, the, now it says 300 milligrams on there, so there may, you know, there might be more, there might be less, but as advertised, that's like smoking 10 joints. Plus, um, one thing here too with edibles is they, uh, compared to the smokable forms of marijuana, is you get a higher dose of hydroxy THC, which is a metabolite of delta nine, and hydroxy THC has higher psychotropic properties than marijuana does. So you're almost getting like a double punch with with some of these edibles that are that are in here. There's some more pictures here of different edibles that I um, pictures that I took at the High Times Cannabis Cup, and again, again look at some of the suspicious packaging here: the lollipop with the marijuana leaf on it blowed fish um, going off the um, popular cracker that's out there that goes very well, not not the marijuana crackers, but the um, goldfish crackers that go very well uh, over with my kids in my house. We, we love to eat those, but again, you can mix those in with different edibles here and the types of candies that are out there. I'll just make one ob observation with, with a lot of marijuana edibles, uh, especially with those Delta-8 edibles that I shared earlier, is they have more of a malleable type consistency to it versus some of the commercial candy that's out there where it's not as malleable as some of these uh, uh, marijuana or Delta-8 edibles are. Of course, it's not to mean across the whole spectrum that's the case. There are some marijuana edible manufacturers that make a very good, very good look-alike product to a, that would look very similar to um, a commercial candy. But um, a lot of edibles, again, certainly not all, have a very malleable appearance, and it just raises a red flag um, to it. So um, here's some of my information here. Now, that's me at the High Times Cannabis Cup. Um, that was a really good experience. I try to do things, go outside the box, and learn different things that you're, you're not going to get in a textbook. And the High Times Cannabis Cup was a great way to do that because it is like the state fair for weed. Okay, So if you go to your local state fair here in Wisconsin, we have a great state fair down in West Dallas. Um, but it, everybody brings their weed and edibles and vapes, and they vote on who's got the best one. So there's my information on, on the board. Um, I'll take some questions here. I know Ashley, I think you wanted to jump in and hopefully I, I didn't spoil your thunder too much, but, uh, um, I know Ashley wanted to talk about some things here too, with, uh, some California safes and other things that uh, she comes across with you. Yeah. Do you want me, do, do you want to do questions first or you want sure. me to? Yeah. I see we got three questions on the board and you need a more basic overview of cannabis. I know TC will get you high and through the medicinal Though I thought medicinal marijuana contains CBD, but also can be hybrid, but mainly CBD. So do cannabinoids contain both THC and CBD? I'd like to learn about, more about vapes and concentrates too. Yeah, so the, the question here, it really depends on what the person wants. So if you, again, believe in the entourage effect that many in the cannabis industry do, um, if you want that medicinal effect, what they're recommending is you should try to find a hybrid type of plant or product that contains equal, somewhat equal parts THC and CBD and some of these other cannabinoids that are there. 
Um, not everybody likes that, though. There are some people that, that want that high THC content because they want to get high. But again, uh, some of the CBD stores that I went into, they recommend having equal parts CBD, THC, because you get all those cannabinoids working together with the terpenes and lipids and all the other parts of the marijuana plant to get that overall entourage effect uh, and get some of the medicinal aspects of the plant and properties that people want. Um, another person, I'm in Michigan where both are legal, so it could get confusing. Yeah, I mean, it's confusing here in Wisconsin. Um, I just, again, put the disclaimer out just because, again, at the point of this presentation here, it's, we're in this legal gray area and this Pandora's box is opening next week or a month from now. You could see some things change um, depending on court decisions and things like that that would come out. Um, we received a warning from Michigan State Health Department to watch out for Delta 8. Poisonings are occurring from it. Um, yeah, again, uh, sharing you, sharing with you what I found on social media with Delta 8, there are a lot of people that are concerned that, they're, that people are putting these additives, especially with the plant material, that could cause some, hot, some side effects. Again, um, I don't know how it is in Michigan, but in Wisconsin, it's, these products aren't very well regulated. So, again, it could contain Delta 8. It could contain something else. There's not to say there was somebody in California that got busted for putting in K2 and spice and some of these synthetic cannabinoids in the CBD products. So um, there, and, and that's, and there's that, those are just those examples, not to mention things like heavy metals and pesticides that again would make it to the end user. If you've got somebody who's not maybe going through those ethical procedures, like more of your scrupulous type of, of uh, manufacturers would do. I'm not really looking for your thoughts on this argument. Legal marijuana is regulated for consumer safety. People buying marijuana at the street have no way of knowing if they're if what they're ingesting is covered as mild. But yeah, so some of these other things are on there. Um, yeah, and this person here, it's a good good question from Patrick. Yeah, um, I, and I think here too. I mean, that's a very good question, um, and it kind of goes off to what I just said here, especially with. Uh, at least in Wisconsin, some of the cannabis products that we have, it's just an unregulated industry. Um, and even in a state like Washington or when I went to California, I looked at my receipt and the stuff was just taxed to, to high heaven. So it kind of, you know, we get sold this bill of goods that we're legalizing marijuana to take it off the black market, yet we tax it at 30%. And then people, you know, if you're, um, if you're visiting California or you're visiting Washington, um, you know, you probably go to a dispensary, but a lot of people don't go there because they don't want to pay the 30% tax uh, on those products. So that black market then continues. So it's a good, yeah, I mean, I would agree with you 100% that there needs, to, if we're going to go down this route, we need to have uh, some type of regulation in place. So people don't get the, the like the fungus is the biggest one out there for um, cannabis and for marijuana as a contaminant that um, it's a plant, you water it. I mean, you're going to have fungus and things grow on it. And it's my understanding that's that's a big issue in states with recreational marijuana. Is there a limit that will be established for the amount of THC in your blood for OWI? Uh, if you're meaning, if you're referencing Delta 8 THC, right now there's not. Um, we do have one for Delta 9 THC. It's one nanogram. Um, so pretty much any detectable amount, one nanogram of Delta 9 or one nanogram of marijuana is as low as our, from my understanding from people who work, the chemists who work in the state lab of hygiene, one nanogram of Delta 9 is, is as low as they can go, okay, for detecting it. You know, could we have Delta 8 THC in there? Um, that's, that's up to the governor and the legislature. 
And I don't know how it is in other states, but here in Wisconsin, our governor and our state legislature don't get along very well. They have, you know, Tony Evers has, has said he wants to legalize marijuana, and there's people in the state assembly who said absolutely not. So now, you know, and going back to two, if we're going to pass legislation to limit hemp products and Delta 8 with kids, are we going to come to a consensus there? You know, I, I don't know. I don't try not to veer too much off into politics, but you could see there's some problems with that playing out and trying to come to a consensus on it. Um, is marijuana becoming more prevalent due to its ease and versatility than other scheduled drugs? Are you seeing others like meth and heroin? In my neck of the woods, heroin has blown up. It's just huge. We have tons of, of uh, methamphetamine. We had a big problem with heroin here, um, especially in, in where I work and live in Manitowoc, because we had a doctor who prescribed high amounts of opiates to people. Um, the DEA came in, cracked down, and then you had people who were addicted to high levels of opiates, to prescription opiates. They were cut off and they switched to heroin. And then some of these other designer opiates that now that have hit the black market. And whenever you have a surge in, an, you know, throughout history, when we've had an opiate surge, we've seen that followed with a surge in stimulants. And here in my neck of the woods, it's methamphetamine. Um, and what we're seeing is pretty consistent with the state level. Um, so in 2010, uh, the state crime lab, I think 20-some percent of their samples were for marijuana, um, and 6% were for methamphetamine. Well, now, um, the last data that I saw, 2019, 23% of all samples to the crime lab were methamphetamine and marijuana dropped way behind. Methamphetamine was the most common drug tested at the crime lab. So you've, not just in Manitowoc, but you've seen that um, transgression across the entire state where methamphetamine use has picked up, and there's a lot of um, reasons for that. Um, any issues with unregulated products being laced with something like fentanyl? Um, I have not come across it. People that use marijuana have told me that they suspect that it's being added to it. I'll just put this little disclaimer in there, too, is some of the people that I've seen who said that all they did was smoke marijuana, um, they exhibited things that I'm not used to seeing uh, with this cannabis, with the cannabis category. Namely, they had smaller pupil size than what was expected. So, uh, let's say somebody who normally smokes marijuana has a pupil size in the dark in a dark room environment of maybe eight and a half millimeters. When I did a dark room examination, looking at their pupil size, their pupils were five or five and a half milliliters uh, or millimeters, and uh, the drug screen came back with only marijuana. So it's uh, you know the Fentanyl would lower it, but there's other substances out there, too, that will constrict pupil size. Things like pesticides will do the same thing. So kind of going off the question that Patrick asked, too, as far as quality control, some of these pesticides and stuff that the cartels are making the marijuana with are, you know, some of this, these banned chemicals that haven't been used in the United States for the past 50 years, they're using to grow marijuana. So, um, you know, kind of, kind of concerning that way. And, uh, um, something to keep an eye on for it. And I would like to test or do more projects with that as well. Um, is Delta 8 detected drug test? Oh, good question. So urine test? Yes. If you, uh, if you go use, so if I go pop a couple of eight, a uh, couple of Delta 8 gummies here, and then I go to work and my boss surprises me with, uh, Hey, you just won the lottery of a random drug screen today. I will test positive for THC. So those urine tests only test for tetrahydrocannabinols and metabolites. So it doesn't tell the difference between marijuana and Delta-8. In blood, they can tell the difference. In a urine test, they can't. So if you are 
um, subject to random drug screening like I am, um, I would shy away from Delta A products because you or any like CBD products because um, if it has a detectable amount of THC in it, which I mean Delta Eight, there's there's THC in it, you're gonna pop pop positive for a for THC for marijuana. How do you talk to your children about drugs uh, and use? Do you have suggested media to educate? I'm just um, I, I'm just blunt with them. Um, so in my neck of the woods, we have a um, digital billboard, and they put up wanted pictures out there. So somebody who commits a crime, um, they're wanted. Most of the time, it's because of their drug use that got them in trouble for robbery or burglary or whatever crime that they're wanted for. And I'm just up front with them. I'm like, if you want to ruin your life, um, this is the path to go down. Um, I think there's an old Bible verse out there that you, if you teach your children the path you want them to go down in life, uh, and when they're young, they're going to follow it. When they get older, now I'm kind of going off the top of my head there. It's probably a little more um, poetic than how I just described it. But if you teach them young what you want them to do when they get older in life, and I think that goes off a lot of what Ashley and Sandy are preaching, they're going to follow that path as they get older. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for sharing all that information with us today. If you would like to view this presentation in a webinar format, you can find it in our webinar library at www.yourchoiceprevention.org backslash webinar. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of Prevent This.